Hi, this is Michael Walker with this week's 5-Minute Advocate. And this week I'd like to talk about gross national happiness. Are you happy? Do you feel happy? Well, people do surveys of these things, a global survey, and apparently Australians are pretty happy relative to most other places in the world. We were ranked as the 12th happiest nation in the world. Where are people even happier? Not many places, but a few of them were uh, the Nordic countries and New Zealand. The Nordic countries being Finland, Denmark, Iceland, Sweden and Norway, all rated higher than Australia. Now, gross national happiness is more than just a quirky news story. Governments are actually starting to take happiness and its measurement seriously. New Zealand uh, began this in 2019. They released a well-being index. So their treasury, as well as releasing the you know economic data that you'd expect it would, is now also releasing and tracking how the country is going on other measures, including mental health outcomes, environmental sustainability, and social inclusion. And Australia's treasurer, Jim Chalmers, in opposition, had said that he'd noticed this and was supportive of it. And in the last week, he has now confirmed that Australia will be getting a well-being budget um, in October this year, at the same time as the normal budget. What will be in this well-being budget? We don't know entirely, but three items that he mentioned were mental health, climate change, and inequality. The last of these, I think, is especially significant because we've never had a government measure of inequality. Advocates in this space have had to rely on differing sources to understand you know, how unequal Australia is, uh, and there's never been a single go-to figure. So that will, in itself, will be an improvement. So will the welfare budget help? Not if it's just a number, although it won't hurt to get beyond the simplistic growth is good mantra that drives our environmental crisis. Transparency is always a good instinct, and lifting the visibility of these outcomes is a great move. But ultimately, government will need to be a great deal more interventionist than it has been under neoliberalism. It's an open question whether the Labor government are ready for that. The case of Japan is instructive. Japan experienced stagnant GDP growth in the 20-year period from 1990 to 2010. However, studies found that well-being increased during that period. Life expectancy increased, social relationships improved, and people reported higher life satisfaction. Importantly though, this didn't happen by itself. The government of Japan made significant policy decisions that made welfare policies more generous in the stagnating economic environment. Improvements that closely correlate with the improvement in life satisfaction scores. Makes sense. If the economy is not going well, an effective safety net is going to cushion the effects. But what surprises me about the Japanese situation is that it didn't just cushion, it actually improved well-being beyond the point that it had reached at the peak of Japan's economic boom in the 1980s. Going back to the Nordic countries, all of which rate as being happier than Australia, they too all have extensive government welfare and lower inequality. Australia's policy elites have been drinking too much of the neoliberal Kool-Aid 
that told us life is best when government gets out of the way. Actually, the best outcomes in high-income countries happen when governments actually govern, rather than taking their hand off the wheel. And introducing a measure that focuses their attention on real outcomes for real people is a good start. 